Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. There is virtually no time in my life when fast is not best. Fortunately, I like fast. A fast run with a high heart rate, get ready for work, quickly blast the hairdryer set on hot and high, drive right up to the speed limit, talk fast, eat fast if not fast food, race time at breakneck speed through my days, speed read, fall asleep quickly, fall fast asleep. Slow doesn't get much good press, does it? The only slow for which I can think to raise my hand is slow-growing cancer. There's a cheerful thought. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Nonetheless, I'm going to make the case for slow as a spiritual practice worthy of our time this morning. For starters, when I remember slow, when I come to a screeching halt and remember slow, I really like it. The very first thing I learn and relearn on vacation is the value of slow. Please forgive me as I invoke the Grand Canyon again. (laughs) Approximately 2,000 million years of geologic record have a lot to say through me. And this morning I'm thinking of the hike in from the rim, seven miles down from the south or 14 miles down from the north, all downhill and of the hike up from the bottom, seven miles up to the south rim, or 14 miles up to the north rim, all uphill. Yes, there are people who run it, but Kem and I are not among them. We walk, not fast, slow. Although, actually, we always go out fast, too fast, because we're so excited at the adventure, enthralled by the beauty, All of that, plus gravity, slows us down. And before long, it's one step, one breath, one heartbeat after another. And the great silence surrounds us. And a great peace comes over us, cleansing our minds and flooding our souls. It's amazing what you see when you slow down and look down scorpions, rattlesnakes, look around mule deer, bighorn sheep, look up California condors like flying dinosaurs with nine and a half foot wingspans and the way the light changes on the red rock, the way the heat remains in the canyon walls long after sunset, the way the planet's hang suspended in the inky black sky. It took five or six million years for the mighty Colorado to carve the Grand Canyon. For us, there is 
no hurrying the canyon. Back from vacation, I try to remember the blessings of slow, words like consideration and reflection and metabolize, dance on the pages of my days. I try to remember not only the Zen training that taught me to note my first conscious breath each morning, but that also exhorts me to remain conscious, noting each breath, breath upon breath. And what in Japanese is called ma, the space between the out-breath and the in-breath, that little space between breaths, sometimes a catch, which is neither in nor out. Ma, spelled M with a long A or M-A-A, the space, the world between breaths. Here, we can try this together. Let us conspire. Breathe in. And then out. And then pause. And in. And out. And pause. Can you feel the pause? That's ma. Paying attention to ma is a meditation practice. It's a high-wire spiritual practice for high-wire consciousness. Please keep breathing. I mentioned fast food. Have you heard of slow food? It's a movement, an international movement whose logo is a snail. Slow Food was founded in 1989 to promote the pleasures of the table. Isn't that lovely? The pleasures of the table. And to counter the rise of fast food and fast life, the uniformity and compromised quality of industrialized food, the disappearance of local food traditions, and people's dwindling interest in the food we eat, where it comes from, how it tastes, how our food choices affect the rest of the world. Slow food members campaign to preserve dying culinary traditions, conserve natural biodiversity, and protect fading agricultural practices threatened by mass consumerism. Linking the pleasures of good food with a commitment to community and the environment, the mission of the slow food movement is to make time to bring joy into everyday meals, to know intimately where our food was grown, to eat local, and to prepare dishes with fresh in-season ingredients. In other words, slow food is trying to change the culture of how we eat and so change the way we live. When was the last time your response to fast food was delicious? <laughs> slow food is reimagining delicious. Here's a reflection on slow from my friend Marty Title. 30 years ago, the organization I worked for started a program to preserve hardy and thrifty farm animals that were fast becoming extinct. I hired a self-described Michigan farm boy named Hans Peter Jorgensen to run the program. 
Hans Peter is a man of many talents, woodworker, artist, sculptor, and the only person I know who, as a boy, could play the piano holding an orange in each hand. One chilly, rainy day, he stopped by my office and asked if I could join him outside for a moment. Muffled in our rain gear, we stood at the edge of our biggest pasture. Just look at that, HP said. I looked and saw absolutely nothing, just an empty field and a few scrubby bushes. Ever optimistic, he continued, yes, as you can see, we have a real problem with drainage here. He went on to describe hoof rot and other maladies that befall livestock standing in water all day. I asked what we could do about it, and he said not to worry. He could do most of the work himself. There'd be a budget impact if he had to hire a guy with a big tractor to make a swale. When I asked how long it would take, he said nine months to a year. I was astonished. A year to dig a few ditches? No, he told me. A year to look at the pasture and decide what to do. Marty Title continues, I had cut my teeth running programs in war zones around the world for the Quakers. I had achieved success in no small part because of my ability or willingness to make momentous decisions very fast, often immediately after receiving a message from my field staff. As a person who took pride in express lane decision making, I was astonished that this guy was telling me he needed a year to decide about digging some water channels. I went back to my office, first to look up the word swale, and then to think about how such an obviously smart and talented person could be so inconceivably slow. Hans Peter had told me that he was new to that land and that climate. He needed to learn how the weather and soil and plants and animals all worked over time so he'd make the right decision about how to address the drainage. He needed to learn how parts of the environment interacted before he acted. Marty Title concludes, that morning in the pasture is a pivotal memory for me. One lesson is that while rapid decision-making is a useful skill, as every person with a driver's license knows, it's more important to learn how to match the pace of the decision-making to the demands of the decision. The moral I gleaned from my pasture moment with Hans Peter is that while swift decision-making has been an important tool in my life, the choices I've made that I value most, choices of love, commitment, and community, are the result of careful reflection, completed without haste. It's Hans Peter's gift to me from long ago, one that I can enjoy every day. We are called to gather here on Sunday mornings for many reasons and for different reasons at different times. We are seeking a community of like-minded, like-hearted people with whom to envision and work for a world of justice and peace. We are seeking a stay against confusion, against the madness, solace in grief, love. We are seeking, if only for an hour, peace. And more and more we are seeking to deepen and refine our spiritual lives and the ways we choose and act and live. To heighten our consciousness, deepen our understanding, love and serve 
open our hearts and our hands. And all that calls us to gather, all of that ineffable prompting to a happier, more abundant and generous life starts, all of it starts with slowing down. I'm thinking of Elijah now, encountering his God on a mountain. And behold, God passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before God, but God was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but God was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. A still, small voice. What William Butler Yeats heard in the deep heart's core. We can hear it and we can heed it when we give ourselves too slow. Beloved spiritual companions, let's pay attention to ma, that space between breaths, and to making choices of love, commitment, and community without haste. Let us slow down and listen and hear and heed the call. Let us give ourselves too slow. I'll close now with one of our favorite Mary Oliver poems, The Summer Day. I usually read just the closing lines. They're a sermon all in themselves. But slow is inviting us to the entire poem. The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me. What else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?